Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome to our Kardashian season two premiere recap. Em, it is music to my ears hearing you say that. God, it feels so good to be back. Good might be the understatement of the century. Julie, I was not expecting to have the emotional reaction to this episode that I did. Like I knew I was going to sit down and be enthralled for 47 or so minutes, but I wasn't anticipating crying. No, this episode needed to come with some sort of an emotional warning. And thank God we had the heads up going into it that this is what that episode was going to be. So we were able to prepare a little bit, but I don't know. Emotionally, I was not ready for this. I feel like the best place to start here is just getting us all on the same page timeline-wise because there's understandably a lot of confusion since typically we expect the show to be delivered in chronological order and clearly that's not what happened here. So I kind of want to just spend a few minutes doing a timeline breakdown, at least to the best of our ability, so that we're at least going in all on the same page. Yeah, that's definitely a necessary starting point. Also, I just have to acknowledge because I'm really self-conscious about it. I'm sure you can hear I have a really bad cold. So I'm sorry that I sound like this, but we're just rolling with it. We have no other choice. I think you sound kind of hot, but I guess (laughs) I guess when do you not on audio? Yeah, right. Okay, so in order to do the clearest breakdown, we just need to backtrack for a second because season one was filmed roughly September to December of 2021. And if you remember, the finale of season one was right as the family was finding out about Tristan having a baby with Marilyn Nichols. So let's say the finale of season one was filmed in December. To the best of our understanding, season two was filmed somewhere between February and July of this year. Obviously, in this episode, we see Chloe's baby being born, and the baby was born on July 28th, which is why people were a little bit confused on the timeline. Kim tweeted last night and said, and now flashback to the rest of the season, we didn't want to make you wait till the end for this episode. Basically, what she's saying is that if they were rolling this out under normal circumstances, this probably would have been the season two finale. But basically, what they did is they put what would have been the finale as episode one. So now we're going to flash back. And if you look at the preview for next episode, it says, you know, Kendall and Kim getting ready to go to Milan for the Prada show. That was in February of this year. So we're in July now. We're probably going to jump back to February and then it'll be, you know, from February to July or August. But that is where the confusion is coming from. So I just want to get us all up to speed there. I can't even explain how much I appreciate them doing that. For so many reasons, but also honestly, for Chloe's sake, to have the anxiety of the lead up throughout this entire season, I bet she's so happy to kind of rip the bandaid off and just almost get this out of the way. And I'm sure that was probably the biggest reason behind doing it. I know they framed it as we didn't want to make you guys wait, but I'm sure the bigger thing at play here was we didn't want to make Chloe have to sit through an entire season of this. I also honestly think that it allows them now to lean into some of the more fun and exciting and business ventures without almost this cloud looming over them. What do you think the finale ends up being now? 
I don't know if I could pinpoint a specific event or two, but I do know that our episode doing the whole breakdown after the Chloe and Tristan surrogacy news was announced was on July 18th. So that's 10 days before this episode we just watched was filmed. So I don't think it's the craziest thing that somewhere around the finale, they will film what it was like when the world found out about the surrogacy news. I also know July was Paris Fashion Week when Kim and North were there, which was a pretty big deal for North. But also keep in mind, end of June is when Kim and Pete were vacationing together a lot. And I know we'll talk about later on the theories about how involved he is in this season, but will Kim do a confessional talking about what it's like, you know, the world reacting to her beach vacation content with Pete? Like these are all the questions that I don't have answers to, but I'm very curious about. Yeah, that's my thought process as well. I I think people's biggest question is about the Kim and Pete stuff and how it will be covered. In our DMs and our question box answer, people do not seem to have a lot of confidence in the fact that we will get that. Yeah, people are freaking me out. I, I, up until now, have always been kind of under the thought process that, yeah, they may take some things out, but I don't think they're going to rewrite history. I just don't feel like that's in specifically Kim's nature. But honestly, I feel like we are disrespecting the intensity of this episode by even jumping to that. Like, I really want to talk about the Chloe and Tristan stuff because the fact that she gave us this, I feel like it's our responsibility to now really discuss it in like a very compassionate way, but we got to give it the time it deserves. Oh, absolutely. And I was going to say that based on getting this episode, it should make everybody else feel confident about whatever content they want to be covered is going to be covered because to get this as raw as it was and as emotional as it was, gives me absolute faith in all the rest of the stuff being shown. I mean, we were in the delivery room. I have to tell you, I don't know if I was anticipating that. Were you? Not at all. Even as the episode was going, I wasn't at all. No, I know. Me neither. I mean, I think let's just get right into it. And the way we organize this is kind of how we used to do the OG recaps where it's scene by scene because everything was all on the same topic. So we don't have to break it up by topic. But starting with the beginning of Kim and Chloe at Kim's house kind of talking about it all. This was really a fourth wall break because when Kim says to her, you know, you can do this, you'll have a sense of relief to get it out. I think she's basically prepping her for talking about it on the show. I mean, to me, that scene was probably the biggest fourth wall break that we've ever had on the show. Yeah. And especially because you see Kim and Chloe I would say prepping for that conversation. And I think, again, I I can't say for sure, but I have to imagine that Chloe's confessional when she's in the light pink dress was shot after that. Like I almost feel like Kim was kind of prepping her to be able to do that. And you saw that confessional of Chloe, which I'm about to read verbatim. To me, I was really, really thinking about it. I think in the entire history of watching Kardashians, even going back to the Jordan Wood stuff, I think that was maybe the most emotional one we've ever seen, just in terms of the rawness and the numbness that Chloe was conveying. I think so too. And I think in the past when we've seen Chloe deal with certain things, there's been understandably a lot of just anger. And I think that was probably her primary emotion. Here, it was just, she was so sad. Yeah. I mean, you could tell she wasn't really open to talking about it. So I think when she's sitting there in the confessional, it wasn't that it was just the first time she was saying it, knowing it was going to be on the show. I don't think she was having that many of these conversations at all. Like, as she said, she had kind of been burying her head in the sand. Yeah, exactly. I transcribed the entire paragraph that she said. I think you should read it. Okay. So the producer's asking if everyone's ready and she goes, so there's something that I need to talk about that day when you guys were shooting with Kim about Tristan and you guys found out that Tristan was having a baby with somebody else, there was just something I wasn't ready to talk about. But Tristan and I are, I don't even know if I want to say Tristan and I, I'm having another baby. And obviously it's just really private. And obviously I don't want this to get out right now because I want to protect my mental well-being as well as the surrogates. But yeah, it's just been a lot to go through all at the same time. But yeah, there was a minute, I don't know, I wasn't with you guys, but from what I could see from watching the finale, I think Kim says, if this isn't a sign that you should not have another baby with him, I don't know what else is. But what you didn't see was, I think I either said, I need to tell you something or take me off speaker. And I told her, well, we did an embryo transfer a couple of days ago. I mean, it's supposed to be a really exciting, amazing time. And it's just a different experience, I think. I mean, I know, but time's ticking and I keep burying my head in the sand, but that doesn't do anything. So this is where we are. And we then see the flashback to the rest of the gym scene that we didn't see where when Kim has her hand over her mouth and she tells, remember she says to the cameras in the last season finale, like, 
put them down. She's saying that because in that moment, Chloe was telling her, which is exactly what we hypothesized about, because we were saying there is no way that Kim would have ever said, if this is the biggest sign, if she knew that Chloe had done the embryo transfer, there's no way. Right. That's what we had hypothesized after the fact, once we knew that Chloe's surrogate was pregnant. I don't remember if we thought anything specific when that happened in the moment. No, I don't think we did either because the season one finale premiered on June 16th and we didn't find out about the surrogacy until July. So at the time we were probably saying, I can't imagine what Chloe was saying, but I don't think we thought while watching the finale that Chloe and Tristan were expecting another kid. I mean, this is this is why when they say like it's all scripted, you can't write this. No, you can't. And I don't think that we ever even for a second would have hypothesized the baby thing. I was just curious if when Kim took Chloe off speaker and kind of shut the cameras down, if we thought that there was something specific and noteworthy being said, like if we hypothesized about what it could have been, or if we were just like, this was too emotional for her, she had to put the cameras down and it's nothing worth discussing the actual logistics of what's being said in this moment prior to finding out about the pregnancy, I mean. Oh, yeah. No, nothing could have prepared us for that. I mean, I think that the Tristan and Chloe surrogacy to the world broke on July 14th, which is literally one month exactly after the season one finale premiered. It's wild. Okay, so let's go to the next scene for a second, which is Chloe and Kylie. And I have to tell you, something I've really appreciated watching over the years is how in the earlier seasons, obviously, you know, Kylie was so much younger and Chloe really was that maternal figure for her. And I think in so many ways she still is in addition to Chris. But now that they're both moms, seeing them have so much more of like an equal relationship in terms of support being given is really beautiful. Yeah. Especially because now both their kids are the same age. And so they're really in this together, but Yeah, it's such a clear example of the relationship between the two of them. And not that Kylie wouldn't show up for the others. She obviously would. But I think that she shows up for Chloe in a very specific way. And she shows up for Chloe in a way where it's allowed to be on camera, which is a huge difference. Yeah, which is something that we obviously appreciate so much. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, let's get into the next scene, which is them all at Chris's house kind of having this meeting to discuss how they're going to handle all of this, which... I kind of feel this is a good time to break the ice and the elephant in the room that everyone's wondering and at least DMing us about, which is Courtney's kind of glaring absence from this episode, which I just want to have an open discussion about. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you do. (laughs) Okay. Here's my thought, and you tell me as I'm saying this how you react to it. The way that I feel is like it's no secret that in recent years, Kim and Chloe have really become so close. And it used to really be Chloe and Courtney and Kim kind of to her own. And it seems that recently, I think specifically because of how much time Courtney spends with Travis and her really leaning into that aspect of her life, that it's become a lot more Kim and Chloe and then kind of Courtney to the side with Travis. Obviously, they're all close, but if we're going to make it a two-in-one situation, that was never surprising to me. Like Later on, when they talk about how it's going to be Kim in the delivery room with Chloe, none of that is surprising. I was surprised that Courtney wasn't at this meeting, which I'm sure if you look back, there was a very legitimate reason. Who knows what she was doing at the time? But it, it did feel like she was specifically less present in this than I would have liked. And I, I, I wonder if that's at all representative of just like, she's been a little bit more removed because she's been so focused with Travis, not in a negative way. What do you think? I think that Courtney constantly wants to be given the benefit of the doubt in terms of the way that she interacts with her family and how present she is versus the way it appears to be on the show. And so what I mean is, I think that if you were to bring this up in an interview to her, or if this story were to go viral about the fact that she wasn't in this episode at all, she would respond by saying, just because you don't see me on the show doesn't mean I wasn't there. I was very attentive to Chloe throughout this. Like I'm so supportive of her and I want her to always feel safe. And like, you guys didn't see that side of it. The issue is, is that if we don't see it, we're just going to assume she wasn't. We're not filling in the blanks there. And especially if you're somebody who just watches the show and doesn't pay that close attention to the family outside of it, of course you're going to assume that she wasn't there and wasn't as attentive as the rest of the family. So I don't think it's that she wasn't. 
I think that she was very there for Chloe. And I think that they still have this very beautiful relationship. But I think that she prioritizes not being on the show over the optics of how that looks. I honestly think that's a totally fair explanation because I agree with you. I think if push came to shove, if Chloe's on a lie detector test and they asked her, did you feel unsupported by Courtney during this time? I don't think she would say yes. I think she always feels supported by Courtney, but you're right. I think that honestly, the optics are not nearly as important as some of the other of them. And I I guess I can't blame her for that. I can't blame her for not caring about the optics. I could hypothetically blame her for being upset by people's assumptions. Because to me, of course you're going to assume that. Especially if you're comparing it to Kim, who is just the superhero of the entire episode. But I really, really think that for so many reasons, and I honestly think some of it has to do with Kim in the post-Kanye era, meaning Kim has really stepped into being her most independent self. I think that... It used to be that they all derived so much strength from Chloe, and I still think that they do. Like when push comes to shove, I think they all do. But I think the biggest shift is that Chloe now derives a lot of strength from watching Kim. Like when you think about it, they're in much more similar boats than they kind of ever had been previously. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, their relationship has certainly evolved to another level. But if you're analyzing the show and the relationships and this episode in particular, from the standpoint of somebody who just watches the show or somebody watches the show and keeps up with them a little bit. Like you have to keep in mind that people don't typically analyze the relationships between each sister and the way they've evolved and changed over time. They only pay attention to what's right in front of them. And Kim, the way that she is there for Chloe, as it appears to the audience, is at a level that is entirely unmatched, specifically unmatched by Courtney. I think that the way that they probably all feel that Chris gives off the like, don't worry, I'll take care of it energy. I think Chloe specifically gets that the most from Kim. Like I think when Kim says, don't worry, we're going to handle it. She's maybe the only one in the family that she believes when she says that. I think so too. Yeah. I want to talk about Kylie in the scene because she basically says the quote that I think we all agree with and relate to, which is, in my opinion... What Tristan did here is just unforgivable. And I could tell, I think you probably could too, that they're holding back to a certain extent because they know at the end of the day, it still is true in this new baby's father. So they're not trying to like seriously come at him. But I think what they want to say is basically like, if I can never see this guy's face again, it it would be too soon. Yeah, that's how I felt too. Like they were actively holding back for that exact reasoning. But again, If you're only watching this from a viewer perspective who's not digging any deeper, to me, you're like, okay, it's time to go a little bit harder on this guy. All I want is just like an unfiltered confessional from each of them where they're like, you want to know how I really feel about Tristan? And they just let it the fuck out. No bleeps. Because I have to tell you, like, I really, truly in my life do not experience hatred as an emotion. I can't even count on one hand the amount of people I've really hated. I fucking hate this guy. Like... Again, nothing out of being at a sporting event in general, so I'm really not going to like boo someone. I can't imagine myself ever doing that. I'm going to tell you something. If I'm watching Tristan on the court, I feel that in inside I'd be pulled to boo. Like I, I can't, you know, like I can't get over the reaction I have to him when she is sitting. And I know we're jumping ahead. We'll go back in one second. When she is sitting in that Skims pajama set on the bed and he's holding the baby, I was looking at him with daggers in my eyes. Like if you don't get the fuck off that bed and let this woman be with her child. When I saw him in the hospital room, I was like, why are you here? Like, give me one good reason why you should be allowed to be in this room right now. Why do you as Tristan Thompson deserve to be here? That's how I felt. Like, yes, obviously, logically, I understand the baby has his DNA, but that was a non-factor for me. Like entirely irrelevant to the situation. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like, I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which 
I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. But okay, let's talk about when Malika comes over to Chloe and it's Malika, Chloe, and True. Good scene, yes. How, how, how are you feeling from this? What were you getting from what Chloe was saying? Well, first of all, what I thought was very interesting was true knowing about the baby and potentially having almost been the leak in this whole situation because she obviously doesn't know keeping it a secret. But I think that Chloe taking that step and telling true was a huge part of this being real for her. And so she needed to do that regardless. Well, totally. I mean, even when they're at the baby shower and she says, as long as true is going to be fine, I'm going to be fine. So I have to imagine on some level, it was almost like cathartic to her to hear true talk about it with joy. Right. Because it's from the innocence of a child that this is just like, no matter what, this is the happiest thing that could happen, especially true being happy about it. I think that it obviously would have been entirely misplaced, but you know that sometimes when you tell a kid who's a little bit too young to understand that they're getting a sibling, it's not always a situation where the kid is like through the roof excited about it. Like sometimes they're scared, you know, about the change. They exhibit different, you know, feelings because they don't know how to process them. And so I think true just being undeniably happy and reacting with such innocence was probably the first step in Chloe being able to say, like, I know factually this is a happy thing, and now I can really see it through True's eyes. Totally. I mean, Chloe's confessionals in this scene is really important. I need to read them both verbatim. She says, first, I want to keep this private for my loved ones as long as possible and not have this be some media frenzy that people just get to play with and run with. I can't hear about this for months, about what an idiot I am, what a dumb fuck I am, all these things from everybody else. Like that's the part that's, I think, the anxiety. I can't even begin to think about that. Which, by the way, just to backtrack for a second, the news broke to the world July 14th. The baby was born July 28th. I know in theory, Chloe probably would have wanted to keep this a secret for maybe even longer. But when you really think about it in terms of how much worse it could have gone down, two weeks, I think, is like a very short lead time. You know, think about if people were talking about this since like May. I mean, yeah, the timeline is huge here. It's confusing, but it's a huge part of being able to understand this entire story. She then says in her confessional, just brace yourself because I know you're going to get remad hearing this. Like I'm remad looking at it. She goes, I was definitely very angry and I think feeling bamboozled. All I know is I was being encouraged to do it by a certain date. In hindsight, he always knew when the other baby was being born and especially getting the paperwork that we saw, he found out July 2nd. So he did know. It was just a great thing I thought to expand our family, thinking it was like this real, healthy, loving, protective type of family. This motherfucker pushed her to do it by Thanksgiving, 
just so that the embryo transfer could be done before the baby was born with Marilee Nichols. Do you know what a special asshole that takes? And that's something that they were speaking about in the scene before when they're kind of in that family meeting discussing what to do about Chloe. And they bring that fact up that Tristan knew exactly what he was doing and knew the fact that he knew. And that's what Kylie says is really unforgivable. And they discuss the concept of like, this was really Tristan trying to trap Chloe further. That He probably thought in his mind that if they're having a baby together, maybe she would marry him. Maybe she would, you know... Either way, she was further stuck to him forever. And so it was a specific manipulation, not just in terms of lying and omitting the truth from her because it was something that she wanted and he didn't know how to tackle it, but really pushing her to do it so that she she couldn't escape him, so that she couldn't have a baby with anybody else. It's almost like, obviously, when she says this, it's so maddening, but to hear that it really was like objectively and factually a full-blown manipulation on his part, it's almost a little bit validating because that's what we had thought, that's what we had said, but technically you could say, well, maybe he wasn't the one pushing for it. You know, there were all these other rumors swirling. So to find out that the reason this happened in this time frame is literally because of him, it confirms and validates on such a deep level the way that we have all felt about him for so long. It really like boggles my mind that somebody was able to do this to another human being. That's what I can't get over. And also keep in mind that in that gym scene, when Kim takes Chloe off speaker and she breaks down and she tells her about the embryo transfer, Chloe at this point doesn't know that Tristan knew about the baby. Chloe doesn't have all of the information at the point in the gym scene because that continued to come out after the fact. So in that moment, what Chloe knew was that Tristan was having a baby with another woman and that it stemmed from a one night stand that took place on his birthday in March. All of the other stuff, all of the timeline, all about Tristan, you know, trying to pay her to have an abortion, Tristan being served court documents and papers and paternity suits, that was not information that Chloe even had in that exact moment. No, I know. And also the fact, keep in mind, I mean, I know it's Kim and she probably would have told Kim in the next few weeks or month, but also the way this whole thing went down, it forced her in at every single stop, it forced her to share before she was ready. Right. And that's what really fucking sucks about the whole thing. Or forced her to share in a way that just wasn't her own. Like, forget about timeline, forget about ready, forget about, you know, this should have been a situation where whenever she felt like she was happy and she wanted to deliver that news, that it was hers to deliver. And it just, it wasn't at any stop of this. Even if it wasn't the risk of it getting out and having to deal with the public reaction, there was still a dark cloud over the news. Of course. I mean, just going back to the scene with Malika for a second, when she's saying to her, you know, sometimes you just still want the White House and the picket fence and Malika's like, and you can still have all of that. I think this is a good time to acknowledge the rumors we've been hearing for the last month or so that maybe Chloe and Tristan are rekindling. I know there was something on Dumas. I know there was speculation about them at Beyonce's party. And I think what we had said in last week or the week before is like, <laughs> we can't believe that. Like, we will not let ourselves believe that until there's proof of it. And I still stand by the fact that like, I I do not believe Chloe will get back with Tristan. I really, really don't. I think the hurt this time was so irreversible. But hearing her say this, it almost makes you not understand because I still couldn't understand it, but it almost makes you maybe get a better sense as to her thought process. If hypothetically, God forbid, this was true, it's like she's just so deeply committed to this idealized version of what she wants that that would be the sole motivating factor. Again, though, I have more faith in Chloe than that. I, I really do not think she's back with him. There's no part of me that believes she's back with him. What that does and the picture that she paints there in terms of the white picket fence, it allows me to see why she was able to forgive him in the past or why she worked so hard to make this right between the two of them and try and make it work between the two of them. But no, there is absolutely zero part of me that thinks that they're actually together right now. I, I Especially based on Chloe's emotional reaction in this episode and just how hurt and how much he ruined the most special time in her life for her. There's no part of me that could imagine her ever forgiving that and getting over that. There's no part of me that can ever imagine Chris, Kim, and Kylie specifically allowing her to do that again. 
Well, honestly, I feel like that's a perfect transition to a point that I really do want to talk about. And this is something that we got a lot of when we posted that question box. A lot of people from what I've seen are feeling, even though, you know, Kim, Kylie, and Chris are so, so, so supportive of Chloe, I think people are feeling a little bit frustrated with them because they feel that part of the reason Chloe got back with Tristan after everything was because of them kind of pushing her in that direction. And I think it's a conversation just like worth having and worth discussing because to me, it's like at the end of the day, I truly, truly believe they all want whatever they think is best for Chloe. But yeah, I mean, we, this isn't a new pattern. I think they have been as a family too forgiving of the people, specifically the men that have wronged them. So at the end of the day, yeah, of course, it's Chloe's decision. I think she wanted it. The white picket fence does, as you said, give a lot more clarity to that. And it's not that it's to blame the rest of them at all. But like, yeah, I do think that they kind of did push her in that direction a little bit. I think that if you were to ask them, I don't think that they would classify it as pushing her to do something. I think that they would say they were supporting a decision that Chloe wanted. I think that we as the audience, what we would have wanted is them to be like, okay, like, let's really take a beat here. Like, let's really think this through. Let's really think about what he did to you. Let's really think about whether or not he had changed. And I think that, again, they are potentially with the men in their lives forgiving to a fault and maybe in this situation, supportive to a fault where Chloe kind of fell back into this trap. And instead of them warning her what the potential risks were, they felt like it was what she wanted and therefore offered their unconditional support in that way. Which I think when Chloe and Kim are talking in the season finale of the last episode, they both have this realization of like, what do you do in that situation? Like, do you support? Do you, you know allow this person to make this mistake? Or do you intervene even though it's what they don't want in that moment? Well, in that exact scene, when they're sitting in bed, that's the scene you're talking about, right? When Kim and Chloe are sitting in Chloe. Yeah. Chloe says like, I kind of wish someone would have said something. Remember? Right. Yeah. Well, which hindsight's 2020, but listen, Tristan created a trap that was very easy to fall back into. I think we, even you and I watching those episodes, we were like, Maybe he has changed. Like, we don't trust this guy. We don't love this guy, but we do see a lot of change in him. And we can understand what Chloe is reacting to. And we could understand what Chloe potentially sees in him. And so I think that exactly in the same way that Tristan was able to convince Chloe of something that wasn't there, he was able to get the family on board with something that wasn't there. And so I can't fault them for necessarily falling into the exact same trap that Chloe was able to. No, I, I, I can't, listen, I think in general, like it's, you don't know what you would do until you're in the situation. And I also think like the publicity of it all probably magnifies it, but I don't think it's an unfair critique or an unfair acknowledgement to say like, maybe there was a little bit too much forgiveness going on, even if it was coming from the point of supportiveness. Absolutely. Which we did say the whole time. It's not like we fell back into a trap where we were like, okay, a hundred percent, they should be getting back together. Like I get what she sees in him. No question. But it definitely hit a point where it was like, maybe he is different. Like Maybe we can consider a possibility here. Just maybe. And I think the family went beyond the maybe and straight into the, he is different. Like I see what you see, Chloe, like uh, we get it and you have our support. But also they had an existing relationship with him too. It's not like they were watching this from a bird's eye view. I I just, it's, I, I can't stand him in such a deep way. I, it's so like surreal to have such a hatred for a person that you've never met. You've never even been in the same room as it's like, it almost makes you question how a person that's never wronged you personally could elicit more anger and hate than someone who has wronged you personally. But I think one, like his behavior is just so objectively terrible, but also it's like this real collective protection that we all feel over Chloe. It's not the same with any of the other sisters. Not to say that like, I don't ride or die for Kim, but there is something about you hurt Chloe. It feels personal. I don't care how ridiculous that sounds. Like if you're listening to this and you've been following the family for the beginning, I think you agree. I think it's like, no, there's one person you're not going to fuck with. It's MJ and it's Chloe. Exactly. No, you're 100% right. It's just a different level of protection. 
people have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comms by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Okay, so when Chloe and Chris are at Chris's condo in Beverly Hills, which is for a moment of levity, like amidst a really traumatic episode, you do have to be a certain level of rich, as as Chloe says, to forget that you own a, a condo in Beverly Hills. Or to only use the condo in Beverly Hills as Santa's little workshop during the Christmas season. <laughs> I know that's the shit that people will say is so out of touch, and of course it is, but honestly, it's partially why I watch. I like that extravagance. There's also a different level of out of touch from the rest of the family as compared to Chris. Like somehow when Kylie is so out of touch, it's like, okay, what? But then when Chris does it, it's like, you are an icon living among us. Like, I can't even believe you are real. Well, I think what's funny is that like to your average person, on some levels, Chloe's out of touch. They all are, you know, understandably. It's like a certain level of wealth. I think that just naturally happens. So for Chloe to even feel that way about Chris is so funny. Chloe is the one that keeps her the most in check, though, I will say. Like, Chloe's the one that acknowledges it more than anything else. You know what clip goes viral on TikTok that I've seen a lot? When Courtney gave Mason $100 for the tooth fairy because she couldn't find the $2 bills. And Chloe's like, I'm going to pull out all of my teeth and come over here. Like, sometimes Chloe forgets that she's also rich. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's so true. Also, when they're going through the freezer and they're like throwing away those old beans, I, I literally wanted a side by side of Chloe and Chris throwing them out. And then like me and my dad after the power goes out and we have to get rid of like the veggie burgers from Trader Joe's. Like same, but different. You know what? If I was a celebrity, no matter how famous I was, no matter how rich I was, my freezer would still absolutely be just stocked with Trader Joe's frozen food. Yeah, duh. You're only human. You may be famous. You're still human. Okay. So in this scene, I mean, the real thing to talk about here is one, Cece finding out, which again goes to show you this was kept really, really under wraps. Like when Chloe says four knocks, she's not kidding. I mean, I would say Cece is the closest to them outside of the nuclear family. So she's telling her they're going through that whole thing. But also you're getting to see kind of for the first time, Chris's real emotional reaction here. And, you know, I saw a criticism of like people feeling as though Chris wasn't allowing Chloe to be sad and like wanting to push her. I don't think that's the case. Like, I, I think she was really 
fully understanding of her emotions. I just think that as her mom, she of course wanted her to experience the most happiness she physically could. Like I really think this was Chris doing her absolute best. And what she knows in her one of her love languages is to celebrate the person even when they don't want it. And I think that if you ask Chloe now, she'd be so happy they did that. Yeah. And I also think as her mom, Chris knew what Chloe needed in this moment. Like, I think that's Chris's job. I didn't find the way that Chris was sort of pushing her or the way that anybody else in the family was sort of pushing her to be inappropriate in any way, shape or form. Because I think that when you're in a situation like Chloe was in, where it's such a difficult time in your life and that feeling of just being, like she says, just depressed and she was just going with the motions and Chloe wasn't going to be the one to step in because she wasn't capable of stepping in for herself and saying like, okay, this is what needs to be done. This is what needs to be in order in order to get to this place. This is what I need to do to be ready. Like her family had to be able to step in and do that for her. And part of Chris doing that was saying like, you need to allow yourself to be excited for something that you've wanted your entire life. Yeah, no, I, I that's exactly what it was to me. I feel like Chloe actually, even though she's someone that does struggle with control issues, and we see that a lot just in terms of like the extent to which she organizes her home and all of these other things that she's spoken about, like I think this was a moment where she was really welcoming someone else just fucking take control here. Like I can't even get myself out of bed in the morning. The last thing I need to do is know how I'm supposed to operate. So I think that like the exact quality of Chris's that in the past she has maybe complained about of her overstepping too much. I think this was a time in her life where she really fucking appreciated that. I think so too. And you know who else? You saw Kylie do this too. Like even with telling true, Chloe says, Kylie made me do it, which was not a situation where Kylie overstepped and said like, this is something you need to do, do it now. It was a situation where Kylie had the foresight to be able to say, no, this is what you need to do to be able to make this real, to be able to make this transition easier for true. And if you can't see that in the moment right now, which is completely understandable based on the emotional trauma you've been through and what you're dealing with, then I'm going to have to be the one to kind of get you to that place because it's important to be there. Totally, which again goes back to what I was saying in the beginning of like this real beautiful evolution of Kylie and Chloe's relationship and coming off of when she's married to Lamar and Kylie's sneaking out of Chris's house to go sleep at Chloe's because she got into a fight with Caitlin and Chris. I mean, it's it's unbelievable to watch. Like that's why when you've watched this from the beginning, these scenes hate you. Oh my God. I mean, and that's the other part of being able to analyze the relationships and the behavior and knowing the specific dynamics is when you've watched the family for so many years, not only have you learned them, but you've learned the changes. And so episodes like this, these major, major life events is the most clear example of the way those relationships have evolved and changed and what you've seen in the past and what you compare it to. The way that I kind of feel is that like we are at full blown capacity in terms of our ability to analyze this family. Like I truly don't think there's more content we could consume or follow it more closely to be able to analyze it just as well as anyone else. I feel like we will fucking level up to a degree we don't even know when like we have kids. Because then it's like, we've been following you since the be very beginning. We've seen it all. But on top of that, we can actually relate to the job of being a mom. You know what I mean? Like I feel our ability will just like skyrocket. Well, it's certainly something for you to think about. <laughs> Julie wants me to have a kid like yesterday. But okay, I want to read what Chloe says in her confessional in this scene because she's like, I mean, when I had Shrew, I found out 48 hours before she was born that Tristan was cheating on me. And then I went into labor weeks early because I was so stressed out. And then I had True, who was amazing and the best girl in the world. And then we did have a couple bumps in the road. And then me and Tristan, I thought we were really good. And yeah, here we are. Which again, just goes to show you both of the times that are meant to be the most special in her life, he has put an irreversible tarnish on. That's just so fucking unfair. So unfair. And also in her confessional here, that's when she's talking about like bracing herself for the public reaction, which is why like if you remember when it initially broke the surrogacy news and we were getting so many DMs like, why aren't you posting about it? Why aren't you posting about it? We just wanted to take a beat of like, <laughs> she's a real person. Like what do you, I can't even imagine what this was for her. I just... Uh, it gets repetitive, I know. I, it's just really, hearing her explain it in this way in the light pink confessional was seriously, I think like, I don't even want to say one of the most emotional we ever have seen Chloe, but one of the most broken we've ever seen Chloe. I actually was really curious about the decision to not get on top of the story because it seemed like that would have been a really easy solution to 
trying to control the narrative. Because if you remember when the story first broke, a, a source leaked it and it got out and Chloe had to kind of do damage control and come in and say, you know, a statement from her rep or a statement from her camp that the baby was actually conceived prior to finding out about the cheating scandal. I didn't really get why Chloe wouldn't have released the story on her own in a statement that says Chloe is expecting a baby. The baby was conceived prior to finding out that Tristan fathered a baby with somebody else. Chloe is asking for privacy at this time. Well, I hear you. I think it's a totally valid question. But keep in mind, the news broke on July 14th or somewhere around there, and the baby was born on July 28th. I think she may have felt, and potentially naively, like, I'm home free. You know, if we've lasted the whole nine or so months without this being a thing. I don't think that's the craziest thing. Yeah, I don't know. To me, if I'm Chloe and my biggest fear is the way that everybody is going to react, I want to put the information out there myself. I, I mean, and I guess how is she to know that this story was going to break? But I guess maybe at the time where she starts to tell more people, because with two weeks out, she had to like the the people in her home had to be aware that this was coming. Certain people in the industry had to be aware, certain friends like, you know, it it clearly got to the point where it was coming out more and more to me, if I'm like, okay, even if I trust everybody I've told, we know how this rodeo goes. Let me just get on top of it. Because if my biggest fear in the entire world is that initial reaction to how goddamn stupid is she, I'm doing everything in my power to try and protect that narrative from coming out. I know. And, and fuck that narrative. Like, yeah, I know. I mean, I, I, I think that this could go back to her just being entirely frozen, you know? Yeah. Like she said, she was burying her head in the sand. And one of the, I think that if you look at it, one of the byproducts of that was just maybe not doing anything. Yeah. Do you think that she becomes a little bit more open on social media with the baby now that the episode is done and out of the way and she feels like maybe the compassion is restored there? Uh, possibly. I think that, I'll put it like this. I think there was no way she was going to do it before this episode came out. And now that I know that this is the first episode, it makes me think possibly, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Also, you know, just another kind of smaller element to talk about in the scene when they're speaking about the baby names. And I guess there's the understanding that she wants it to be a T name. They're going through them, which again, we don't know. And I do believe the baby probably does have a T name, but I'm thinking to myself, like, I get it. I think she's following Chris's footsteps in terms of like all the kids, the same initial, but no, no, like something else that doesn't mimic Tristan. Yeah, I wanted to be like, you know, you don't have to though. You know, the other interesting thing is remember like a, about a month or so ago, there was the report that she has filed for sole custody. Yeah. If true, wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, what we were saying at the time is that it always kind of seemed like that was the case with True as well, whereas True's primary home was Chloe's home and that you know, her and Tristan would have worked something out in terms of time spent together or certain activities maybe that True would do with Tristan or Tristan coming over and spending time with True. But it never seemed like there was any sort of formal custody agreement where Tristan had True X number of days of the week, X holidays, X vacation days. Like it always seemed very on Chloe's schedule and that when they were on really good terms, it was just that Tristan was spending so much time at the house that they almost didn't need it. So I do wonder if there is something more formal in place now that Tristan isn't coming over in that capacity. Because even when Tristan and Chloe were not at their best prior to this baby or prior to their reconciliation, Chloe really made it clear that it was an open door policy. Like when Tristan wanted to come over and see truth, that was that was it. No, nothing else needed. But clearly I would be shocked if that was the case anymore because I don't think that Chloe is willing to put herself in a position where she has to be with him that often. Right. And I think that probably to get to that point, I know this is like us just hypothesizing, but probably to get to that point, she'd have to really like internalize the belief that she can still give her child a really healthy relationship with their dad even if it's still a formal schedule. You know what I mean? Like, I think she had in her mind that in order to give True the number one best experience, she had to subject herself to the informality of it and kind of like maybe be a little more comfortable. I think she probably had to believe like, we can still do this, but it's going to have to be on my terms and that doesn't make me a bad mom. No, it doesn't at all. And I think that's a huge, huge realization for Chloe that I can't say for certain that she had because I'm 
you know, were not involved in the custody of this, but I would hope that she had, and I would hope that the family would push her into being able to understand that that's an okay decision to make. I know. It's like, I just want to say to Chloe, any single thing that you need to give yourself the most peace and calm, it's understood. Like you deserve it. And I know you don't know us, but like we're supporting you and so many other people are as well. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. This next conversation between Kim and Chloe when they're at Kim's house is really interesting because this is when they're kind of talking about the logistics of the delivery room, if she's made any decisions. And Kim is saying that when Sam was born, which if you go on the timeline of that, that was in May of 2019. She's saying there was only allowed one other person in the room, which was Courtney at the time. Kanye was in a connecting room. And now she thinks that that probably will be the same situation where it's only one other person. And obviously unspoken, it's going to be Kim which we'll get into them talking about Tristan in a second, but that's what we were talking about with the Courtney of it all. Like back in 2019, it makes total sense to me that it was Courtney. Now I think if Kim surrogate was giving birth, it would have been Chloe, don't you think? You weren't surprised when we were discussing this. You weren't surprised that the decision was made that it was Courtney and that it now would be Chloe. To me, I was surprised that it was Courtney and not Chloe even then. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like in the last few years, like in the last two years is when it's really, really intensified Kim and Chloe's relationship. And also important to note is that Courtney and Travis didn't start dating until 2020, which I think had a huge effect, not in like a bad way. Like I think they fucking love Travis, but just naturally so much of Courtney's attention has gone to him and the family that they've blended. But keep in mind the relationship between them pre-Travis, because one of the reasons that they appreciate the Travis relationship so much is that even though Courtney's kind of in her own little world, she's a much happier version of herself. And I think prior to that, the reason that they had a riff in their relationship and they were fighting so much, specifically Kim and Courtney, is because Courtney wasn't in that place. And so it's interesting because, yes, I think that Courtney is less attentive potentially to the family because of the relationship with Travis. But I also think they are in significantly, significantly better terms. Yes. And I think that is such a fair point. But just to look at it from another angle for a second, something Kim has repeatedly said, even when her and Courtney weren't their closest, she always felt like, you know, Courtney was just one step ahead. She said like she had kids first. She did the whole co-parenting thing first. Or even when she was dating Pete, she made a joke like she dated the tattooed guy first. So I think that Courtney being in the room with Kim wasn't even so much a testament to their closeness probably as much as it was like she... I guess, got a lot of safety from Courtney in that regard. You know, like she felt like Courtney just had a down pat and knew what she was doing. That's why it's not as surprising to me because your point is totally valid. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point too. Like Courtney 
Courtney kind of owns a delivery room. Like, you know, like that's her place. Like if you were to put Courtney in the place where she thrives the most, it is clearly the delivery room. So to have her in there, I can understand that decision, especially in terms of Kim following in her footsteps. I mean, listen, realistically, more people would have been in if it wasn't COVID. So it's, it's, it comes down to a numbers game, but it's worth noting. I mean, like what are we going to do? Have this whole podcast where we dissect every single thing and then not touch on that. Of course we're going to. By the way, if I'm Chris, I'm like, uh, you guys going to mention me or what? Like, how is Chris <laughs> not the person that's like the given of being in the delivery room? Well, for Kylie, she is. And that's why she's the favorite. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So back to this conversation at Kim's house with Chloe and Kim, you know, Kim's giving her the advice that for the sake of the baby, if it's an option and you can have him there, you should have him. And Chloe's like, it's the strangest, most fucked up situation, but once he's here, it's going to be a blessing. It's going to be a ray of light. And, you know, this is when Kim and her confessional saying like, she's so detached and specifically because she's having a surrogate, it's like, you know, all those tangible things you get excited for feeling the baby kick, all of that she's removed from it. So I have so many things I want to say because also like not to take the focus off Chloe and Tristan for a second, but I think that when this surrogate was pregnant with Sam, not to say that Kim and Kanye were having issues anywhere near like Chloe and Tristan, but I don't think that it was the best spot in their relationship. So on some level, I feel like maybe Kim can almost relate slightly, very, very different. But I, I don't know. There was a part of me that felt like Kim was speaking about this almost from like a very minimal level of experience. I don't know if that's a stretch and it may be, but that's something I was getting while watching. Yeah. Especially because I think since the divorce with Kanye and watching Chloe go through this again, Kim has probably been able to open up on a different level than she was able to before. Even just that acknowledgement of the way that Kanye treated the rest of the family, getting that out in the open probably is a situation where Kim would never have admitted that previously that, you know, she could probably connect to that feeling. But I think now in hindsight, she's without saying it is able to comfort Chloe in that way. And Chloe's able to understand that's what she means. Or even, I guess we should say, like, not saying it on camera, which I cannot blame her for. But like, again, this is just hypothetical. May, she may not have. I just could see a world in which she did. Totally. Me too. Yeah. Anyway, kind of leads into Chloe and Chris baby shopping, which I know we weren't going to get it for this kid. But one time I just want a full-blown episode where, like, they show everything. And then, you know, leads us into the baby shower and it's the lion shower, assuming the baby is going to be a Leo. And this is, it's not even that Kim's speech was so emotional necessarily. Like I think out of all of them, I wouldn't say that Kim is like the most impactful speaker if I was like ranking them. But for some reason I was, oh my God, I was fucking losing it watching this. Watching Kim cry makes me cry. It's like watching my mom cry. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this right now. It's also because like, She's going to risk her makeup. Like, you know what I mean? You know what that means to her. And she cried a lot throughout this episode. Like watching the emotion that she had for Chloe, like really, it really took me out, honestly. Chloe elicits an emotional reaction from each family member that I don't think, like if you were ranking it, no one else can other than like Chris, you know, it's like they all ride for her in the way that like we as the public ride for her. It's so beautiful. Like what I want to say to Chloe, I swear to God, like I wish I could write her a letter. I like want to, it sounds so fucking weird. Like I just wish we could communicate the sentiment to her of like, when everyone says you deserve the blessings, you deserve all this. Like that's not just fluff that people say, like when they say it to you, they really fucking mean it. The way that everyone feels about you is so deep and so true. Like you are that good of a person and you are going to get this back to you in, in, in a way you can't even imagine yet. I know. It really does carry a different weight when people say that about her versus anyone else in the family. I, I really, really feel that when they say it. Yeah, I feel, I feel it too. I, oh, this is the other thing people were mentioning when we put that question box, the fact that Kylie and Kendall weren't at the baby shower, which like it was kind of weird, but I have to imagine it was just like a, a scheduling thing for whatever reason. Yeah, I can so imagine a conversation where Kylie and Kendall both call Chloe to say that they aren't able to make it and they feel so terrible and they're so upset about it. And Chloe's like, I didn't even want this in the first place. Like, it's really not a big deal. Right. Like, please, you're doing me a favor, actually.
I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, I have to assume you like celebrities and who doesn't love Jeopardy? So the show I have for you really is the best of both worlds. It's Celebrity Jeopardy on ABC. And it's really the OG Jeopardy, but with celebrities. So first of all, it's hosted by Maya Bialik, who is exceptional. And it's really a star-studded cast of about 27 celebrities, just to name a few. Simu Liu, Eliza Schlesinger, Constance Wu, Ray Romano, Michael Sarah, BJ Novak, Patton Oswalt, Candace Parker, Jalen Rose, Ike Barinholtz, Hassan Minaj, Andy Richter, Reggie Watts, John Michael Higgins, a lot of really good people. And the format's a little bit different. So it's a new format compared to its predecessor. 13-week tournament. It's an hour-long show instead of 30 minutes, which I always feel like 30 minutes is too short, so that's perfect. Three quarterfinal matches and one semifinal. Episode 13 will feature winners of the three semifinals. And then it will also feature a triple jeopardy round for the first time ever in the history of the franchise. Also, it's a massive payday. It's a million-dollar grand prize that will go to the celebrity who wins and the charity of their choice. And they really are put under the same kind of pressure as Jeopardy! contestants. So watch the series premiere of Celebrity Jeopardy! Sunday at 8, 7 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Which actually made me think for a second, if we're going back to the timeline and it's going to start now, like restart in February... Kylie and Travis had the baby February 2nd or like somewhere right around then. So maybe the next episode will get some of that. I know it says like Prada with Kim and Kendall, but probably in the next two episodes, if we're going to get Kylie and the baby, we'll probably get that. Yeah. Well, the exact description is Kylie welcomes baby number two while Courtney plans her dream wedding. Chloe sees how her past trauma has affected her brain. Kim and Kendall head to Milan to walk in the Prada fashion show. Yeah. So we'll get that. Oh. Love that. I know everyone's wondering, like, when are we going to get the names? Maybe next week, maybe not. I don't know. I've kind of just abandoned my hope on the names, and whenever we get it, it'll feel like a gift. We're not getting it next week. You want me to tell you why? Mm. Because in this episode, it's being filmed, what is it, July? Kylie refers to the baby as, like, my ba- like my child or, or like, she doesn't refer to the baby by name when she's talking about him because he's already been born, which means that by July, she had already made the decision and kept with the decision that throughout the entire course of the show, she wasn't going to be saying that. Because in the filming of that moment, there's no way they were like, okay, we're going to have this be the start, not the finale. Like it was definitely a decision that was made after filming. And so in the months leading up to that episode, there's no way that she's going to say it. In the episode where we see, we may get Wolf being named and then the decision to change it, but we're definitely not getting the new one. Yeah. Okay. That actually makes sense. Also, we're off next week, all three episodes, which is like, whatever. You know what? The next week we'll recap whatever happened in in this episode on the part of the regular episode, right? That's what we're going to have to do. Yeah. And let's just hope that it's not as exciting of an episode. Like, it's not like we were off for this one. Thank God. So I think that we'll be able to be okay with just recapping it in the regular episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the last scene here is when the surrogate goes into labor. We see Kim filming herself, picking up Chloe. There's the anxiety and and the excitement and like the nerves that you feel like you could literally experience yourself just from watching it. And they're in the room. Kim's giving us this little mini tour and then the baby is born. And and like, I I do, I think we said this earlier, but I do really appreciate that they ended the episode with Chloe holding the baby. To me, that was really powerful. It allowed something that was so traumatic to end with something that was so beautiful. Yeah, and everybody coming in and saying what their wish for Chloe would be was just such a beautiful personal touch. Listen, not to take attention away from Chloe at all. This is her episode. She, The fact that she was able to do this is so unbelievably impressive to me, especially considering the emotional state she was in. But I got to give it up for my girl, Kim, this one. She deserves an Emmy for this episode. Yeah, she was not fucking around. She was giving Chloe the security that she has unfortunately not been able to get from any man in her life. And I can really support Kim in that. And also filming the end. Oh my God, of course. That's one thing about Kim. She's going to get us that motherfucking content. That is why I'm telling you, I just can't see a world in which she entirely, entirely cuts Pete from the Met stuff, unless it's like really his wish and he basically begged her. I think if it's her decision, there's no way. We got to get something. She's not cutting him from the Met stuff. My question is, 
Is she cutting scenes of just their relationship that may not be necessary? For example, like we know they went on vacation, right? Like we know that is an absolute fact. If there is a confessional done about the vacation, if there is any footage from that vacation, does she feel like she can cut that because it's not necessarily taking away from her story? Cutting the Met scenes would be taking away from her story. Then the question after that is how much of the breakup are we going to be getting? That's what I'm really, really curious about. I could see her cutting scenes. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. I don't think it's going to be a complete erasure because I, that's just not her. But I don't know. I don't feel confident that we're going to get as much Pete scenes and as much fill in the blank of the time since we left off from last season as we would have wanted. Yeah. I mean, vacation content with Pete feels like a stretch. Like I'm not going to get greedy here. I would just love an acknowledgement in a confessional, or even if it's just like how the public reacted to that. Like that's the stuff that I care about Kim reacting to the public reaction, because we know Kim loves that. Like the anxiety that Chloe feels, which is so warranted because the public has been objectively meaner to Chloe than they've been to Kim, is the same, I think, excitement and thrill that Kim gets. Like Kim loves sitting in the car, reading the tweets, hearing people's hype about it. So I almost wish we could see some of that. Here's one more question, because a lot of people had questions about Scott's absence in this episode, which I can't say I was necessarily surprised by. But I am curious, when do you think Chloe told Scott about the pregnancy? You know, I could see her telling him around the same time she told the sisters, but I could also see her telling him right around the same time she told Cece. It doesn't wouldn't surprise me if it was in that same window. I don't think he was the first phone call. I don't think he was the last. It wouldn't surprise me if he found out much later on. And one of the plots in the last episode is Scott being hurt by how late he found out about the news and Chloe having to be defensive about who she was telling and Scott then getting upset about well, that just is because you don't consider me family anymore. You know, actually, it's a very, very fair guess. I'm just going to say a prayer that doesn't happen because it's like, we don't need to add, what's the expression, hurt on heartbreak or whatever it is. It's like, we don't need to add additional pain that doesn't need to exist here. This is already traumatic enough. Now I have to worry about Scott being like exiled from the family. It's like, we don't have time for that in this moment. Oh, fuck. I know. I know. But- I could see it, is all I'm saying. And by the way, the hurt of that situation, and not that Scott would have any right to be upset. Like if if this was a thing that became about Scott's upset rather than Chloe's traumatic pregnancy, I think we would all have the reaction of just like, Scott, this isn't about you. But the reason that it would be more upsetting if that was the case is because it's one thing for the rest of the family to like kind of treat him differently. But when Chloe does it, it's a whole different level of hurt. And I'm not saying she did do it. I'm just saying hypothetically, if that was the case, it would be different than everybody else. Yeah, no, I'll agree with that. I mean, the end scene here, which we already spoke about earlier, is Tristan holding the baby. And and you could see, I mean, Chloe's looking at him like, I have no desire to be anywhere near this man. It was... She couldn't hide her her emotions, nor should she have, but you could see it right on her face. Yeah. I get, I'm like, here I am sitting at home. I'm not anywhere near him in any sort of like actual vicinity, but I'm watching him on my computer and I'm like getting hot that I don't know how she just sat there so calmly. Oh, I don't know either. Yeah. You guys, we're back. I know I say that and then we're off next week, but like, we are back. We're locked in for what, the next 10 or so episodes? You think this will be a, a 10 episode season? I'm hoping so. I think it's going to be the same number. Yeah. Yeah. It feels so good. I love doing the old recaps, but God, the, the fulfillment that I get out of these is something I can't describe. And I just feel so lucky to do it and to do it with you. It's incomparable. It's incomparable. I agree. Okay, well, we love you guys so much. And Isabel and I will be back tomorrow for Bravo. And then we're off all of next week. But we will be back the next week. And happy season two.